0: Thank you so much for being here to worship with us. And as we transition from worshiping through music to worshiping through the preaching of God's word, I wanna invite you to read our passage with me this morning. It's from Mark chapter 10. We'll read verse 35 through 45. You can follow along in your copy of God's word or it'll be on the screen behind me as well. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 35, it says this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? He asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied. We're able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the other 10 disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many." Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. God, we happily confess that your word is our authority, that it is inerrant, it is without mistake and in it is everything that we need to know who you are, to know who we are in light of that and to live a life according to how you would have us. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would speak through Pastor Phil, that he would be an instrument of your truth, that you would use him in a tremendous way this morning. And and Holy Spirit, I ask for every one of us that you would give us eyes to see your word, that through your word, you might encourage us and instruct us in righteousness. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning.
1: Uh, It's good to be with you today, and thank you for being here and braving the weather to be a part of this. Well when I was 14 years old, which was many, many, many years ago, I took my very first mission trip with my youth group uh, in the church that my family attended up in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is where I grew up. And so I knew nothing about missions except uh, being in a good Southern Baptist church. I went to RAs. Okay, who knows remembers RAs? Okay, and I learned all about Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. Yep, y'all remember those? Okay, good, good. And um, so um, being in a youth group back then, it was all centered around the the youth choir as well. So we were heading off to Akron, Ohio to help a church uh, reach their community. And I knew nothing about missions uh, except... Um, it was a chance to go on a trip with all my church friends, and uh, Akron is not far from Canton, Ohio, which has the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that was enough to get my interest, and because I knew we'd go there one afternoon when we had some free time, so I was locked in. And so we had a great trip. But um, uh, during the mornings, we would do Vacation Bible School for the community kids, which was a lot of fun, um, and then evenings, we did a revival services uh, for the families and the adults and all that took place there. And so it was a great week. It helped the church a lot. But about mid sometime in the middle of the week, our youth leader actually preached the message that night. And there's people getting saved, people getting right with God. And all of us in the youth group uh, were so pumped up and fired up that we were ready to go door to door telling people about Jesus. I mean, we're so, you know, a little 14 year old, well, I never was little, but 14 years old, um, you know, wanted to go door to door. And, um, you know, it was like we were ready to take on the gates of hell with a water pistol. You know, that's, we were so pumped up, ready to go. So we all said, yeah, let's go, let's go tell Bob, you know, what we want to do. And so we went up to him and fortunately he was very And he said, well, I really appreciate your enthusiasm, but since it's already about 930, um, we probably, uh, people probably not going to appreciate you knocking on their doors, ringing their doorbells at this time of night. So let's talk about this some more when we get back. And he said, yeah, you're probably right. So we went back to our rooms and had a water balloon fight, you know. So, you know, next best thing, right? So, but from that experience in that week, and of course, then the years following, we took other mission trips, um, I learned a couple of very important principles, which I realized have helped me in my ministry since that time. In fact, um, that guy, Bob, was One of the influential leaders in my life that prompted, uh, that God used to call me into the ministry. But the two principles that I, I seemed to begin to pick up at that point were that sometimes God puts us out of our comfort zone in service and ministry, but it's to make us totally dependent on Him like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this or get this accomplished, so God, I've got to trust in you. And that's a big growth point, isn't it? And then the second thing I learned was that going through a mission opportunity or service or ministry, that it sometimes reveals weaknesses or areas in which I need to grow in my faith. So those two very important principles were uh, seem to show up from that trip that we've used in, in my ministry over the years. And while we still love to do mission trips, now like we've got four planned for this summer. And those kind of things are going to be going on. They're going to be out of their comfort zone doing things they've never done before, so they're going to have to totally depend on God, but then also realize that there's things they probably didn't know. In our case, once again going back to that 14 year old mission trip, we realized, we started talking afterwards, we said you know if we had gone door to door, what were we going to say? You know, it said turn or burn or get right and get left, you know, what else? There's got to be something more. And we realized we did not know how to share our faith. So once again, fortunately, Bob, you know, uh, took us under his wing and began to teach us some of those principles of how we could share our faith. So all that to say is that when we talk about discipleship here at the church, uh, Pastor Ryan gave you a great message last week if you happened to be here last Sunday where he gave us a good overview that, of how discipleship is a process. The Bible describes that we're an infant when we come to Christ but then he wants to lead us to be a mature man. When Pastor Kevin came 15 and a half years ago he led us in what's called the C3 uh, strategy for discipleship and some of you may remember this There it is, uh, the logo, but it stands for come to God, connect with others, change the world. So come to God is our worship experience here, that you learn more from scriptures, you worship together, enter into God's presence, and that becomes a catalyst for growth. But then another catalyst becomes when we connect with others in a small group discipleship where you not only are studying the Bible, but you're able to discuss it and ask questions. But then thirdly, changing the world is when we serve or put ourselves in some form of ministry. And so that third piece, the change the world piece, is what I want to elaborate on today uh, because how can you change the world? It's going to be ultimately through ministry and service. So if we go back and take a look at that passage that Stephen read for us earlier, here we have James and John, who are two brothers, and they're walking along with the other disciples and and walking with Jesus, and so they kind of make their way up to Jesus' side and say, hey Jesus, um, can you put us in positions of honor, basically is what he said, and we want to sit on your right and your left. And see, they didn't realize what Jesus had in mind or what his kingdom, they didn't fully recognize what his kingdom was going to look like. They probably still had uh, images of getting rid of the Roman Empire, at least out of Jerusalem and Judea where they lived. And... Um, having positions of honor. It would be no different than what someone might do today where they serve on a presidential campaign and then when their candidate wins and they ask for a, a prominent position perhaps in the cabinet or in some element of the administration there. So it wasn't a whole lot different but then just to refresh your memory, and we look at at how it kind of played out where Jesus responded uh, accordingly. He says, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were pretty mad at those guys. And, you know, if it's just me, I think it's because they were thinking the same thing. It's just that James and John beat them to it. And so said, so how dare you do that, man? So I'm sure glad I wasn't the one to asked him that. You know, so they were upset about it. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I read an interesting quote in, in association with this, talking about James and John and perhaps the other disciples, that they wanted to be masters, but not servants. They wanted the glory, but not the shame that Jesus was getting ready to face. And then they wanted the crown, but they didn't want the cross. So they were not totally prepared for what Jesus was about to do. But how could they ultimately change the world? Jesus told them, it's through service, it's through ministry. And ministry literally is serving other people, putting them before ourselves and trying to fulfill their needs. That they have. And our church is very fortunate that we seek to do that in many different arenas, in many different ways. And so when we talk about how you can change the world, it ultimately boils down to what you can do to serve others. Now, this was not a new concept with Jesus because if you look back in the Old Testament, what was so interesting is that when God called his people. Uh, specific leaders to do something, he never referred to them as a leader, but as his servant. So for example, Moses, he always referred to it so wasn't Moses my leader, it was Moses my servant. So the way to change the world to make a difference is through serving and ministering to others. So here's our question for today. So what happens when we serve and do ministry? Well, the first thing I think we see is that you bring glory to God. And a great verse that we have is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 16 says, "...let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." Now this is actually the theme verse for our missions team. We have a missions team here in the church that's comprised of what we call the champions for each of the different ministries that we do outside the church. And so we take this approach that we want to do good in the community, good to others, so when people see these good deeds, they're immediately drawn toward the church and to God. And so it's almost like we become a mirror as people compliment us or thank us for doing these kind deeds. It's like we're a mirror that reflects that praise, that glory, that attention on up to God. Now with each of these points we're going to make, I've got a wide assortment of, of illustrations but I'd, so I want to share a couple with each of these points that we're going to talk about the first one when we think about bringing glory to god is that comes to mind is when we serve at the christmas lights if you've been here a while you know that northway has been the presenting sponsor for the Christmas light extravaganza, which is takes place downtown every December. And so from the beginning, even before we became the sponsor, we served as block ambassadors. We would line up volunteers who would wear nice green vests uh, so we wouldn't get hit by cars, and we would stand out there and give directions to people, answer questions, and hand out candy canes to the kids, things like that, just to be a welcoming face to the community. And so occasionally along the way, somebody would stop and ask us, who are you, why are you doing this? And it gave us the opportunity to say, we love God, and God has done great things in our life and we want to invest in our community uh, to lead other people to God, to a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And so it, it didn't happen a lot, but we had many conversations that would take place about that which gave us a chance to deflect glory to God. But then one of my other favorite examples was uh, several years ago with our parking team. Now you see all of our wonderful parking guys out there in the parking lot when you arrive. They try to keep things in an orderly fashion, get you a good parking spot, and then when it was raining like earlier this morning they're out there with the umbrellas to help you out. Well on this one particular occasion our parking lot greeter was stationed in the entranceway uh, coming from Zebulon Road, out in this direction. Now this was before we built the student building, Cathedral Coffee, so it used to be Hall A, which is out in this direction, went straight into the parking lot. So this uh, volunteer for their parking lot team was standing out there. A car drove up and said, hey, this is our first time here. We've got preschoolers. Where do we go to drop them off to get them checked in? And so he gave them directions. You know, he had to go around the church and come in the side door, and and as they left, he started thinking, mm, you know, that might have been confusing. I need to go help them myself. So while they were driving around the parking lot, the back side of the church parking lot, he took off running through Hall A, went all the way behind the church worship center, and came out in the preschool uh, check-in area, ran outside, and got out into the parking lot about the time that they were unloading their car. And they were thinking, wait a minute, we just saw you over there, and now you're here. And so he ran all the way through the church to say, hey, I knew the instructions I gave you were a little confusing, so let me walk you in and make sure you get to the right place. So he walked them into the preschool check-in area, got the kids taken care of, and then the preschool ministry took over, got the parents escorted to the worship center, and he ran back to his duties out in the parking lot. And I was just thinking, what an impression that guy made on that family. And and as a result of that, I think he was bringing glory to God because of his good deeds, because he went far and beyond what was expected. And so many of our volunteers do that same thing. All right, so that's the first one. So what happens when you serve, when you do ministry? You bring glory to God. The second reason or the second thing that happens is you fulfill God's design for your life. And here's one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Okay. So, Right before this verse is a passage that you're very familiar with, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when the Apostle Paul wrote that, uh, this that particular portion of Ephesians in his letter to the church at Ephesus. He was pointing out that there's nothing we can do to earn or deserve our way into heaven. There's no works that would be sufficient to make that happen because it's all by God's grace through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross that we are able to receive salvation so that no one should boast. You know, because if it's all based on what I do, then I could easily boast about how good a person I am. But it has nothing to do with that. It's purely by God's grace. But then he points out this in verse 10. Right after that, he says, but we are his workmanship. Now, I love that word because in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar. I had to look this up. It is actually the Greek word for poem or from which we get the word poem. So it's like you as a follower of Christ are His poem. Or another translation of the Bible says masterpiece. You are His masterpiece. And so when you think about your masterpiece, in fact, I remember one of our ladies that was baptized a few months ago, it says, you know, I'm His Mona Lisa, because she was quoting this verse. I said, what a great analogy. You are so uniquely made and created to be God's masterpiece to do good works, or for good works, because He has a unique area of responsibility or task that He might want us to accomplish, and so He has created you for that. Um, one of our greatest examples is, of course, what took, is taking place with Celebrate Recovery over the past year and a half. What do you think about that, Sean? Yeah, you think so? Yes, all right, so Celebrate Recovery started about a year and a half ago, and so when we had our very first meeting, we had over 50 people show up to get more information because they had a draw to that, to those who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and these people could identify with them either on a personal basis or because they had a family experience with someone like that or knew of someone, a close friend that they had tried to help through that. And so our Celebrate Recovery ministry just blossomed as a result of that because we had all these people who were his masterpiece that he had created for that type of ministry that interestingly, when I looked at the list, very few of them were serving in other areas of the church because to some degree, maybe felt disqualified But then when Celebrate Recovery started, that was the ticket, and that was where they fit perfectly. And they have been the ones who've made that ministry just flourish so well and and go so well. Another area in which this has been illustrated is with our Toolbox ministry team. Uh, We have a group of men who are great with their hands, great with their tools, and they can fix and repair anything, and they can build just about anything. And, um, you know, these are guys who might never lead a Bible study or get up here singing song or, uh, you know, play an instrument or anything like that, but you give them a tool and say, hey, fix that, they are on it. And so just recently in the last few months, this toolbox ministry team has had an opportunity to work on a house with Habitat for Humanity and then has also helped serve two widows in our church with needed home repairs. And um, the church underwrites the cost there for the most part and these guys come and do it and they have such a great time doing it because they're all alike in that regard they just love doing that stuff and the only problem we have is we've got too many chiefs sometimes we just have to (laughs) kind of say who okay you are in charge you tell the others what to do but it's a great ministry and these guys love it and they're fulfilled because they know that's how god has created them uh for that very distinct purpose, so then finally, and really the the ultimate reason why we want to encourage people to serve and be in ministry is because you will grow in your faith now, I shared a lot some of those examples in my own experience when I was on that mission trip when I was fourteen years old, and God has used those type of experiences many 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 more times but A passage that helps see this is once again from Ephesians. It says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Now, there's two very important principles being illustrated in this verse here. The first, as you see, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. That's pretty much your pastoral staff that you have and the directors of the various ministries that you have. And, you know, we do ministry, no question about that. But sometimes churches think, hey, we're paying you guys to do the ministry, so get after it. And, but that's not what our full job is. Our job is not only to do ministry ourselves, but what? To equip the people for works of service. Other versions say equip the saints for the purpose of ministry. And so our bigger job with Chris and Stephen and will I'm, I'm going to forget somebody, Kim, Kevin, um, me, and Ryan is to equip our people to do the works of ministry. And that's what excites us so much around here is because we have over 400 volunteers that serve in some aspect of ministry here in the church. And so it's a great honor and privilege to be able to do that. And that's what excites us is when we can equip someone to do ministry and then they do it. A couple of great examples have taken place. Uh, There's a couple that has worked in our preschool ministry for years um, up until a few years ago. And their primary reason for serving in the preschool ministry was to allow mom and dad to be able to come to church and know that their kid is going to be okay. They loved taking care of kids anyway, but they knew by taking care of the kids, the mom and dad could relax and enjoy worship, having some adult time, having some quiet time, and coming and just enjoying worship freely. And so that was their ministry, taking care of the kids, but more so for the purpose of building up the parents so they could attend worship. So they were building up the body of Christ by taking care of their kids. Another great example is with our home teams. Home teams are our adult small groups that took place. During this past year, uh, well, several years ago, we started a group called we called the Young Professionals that were singles, young singles in their 20s and 30s. Well, the group had grown so much that we realized we needed to create a new group. And um, so we took the bulk of the people that were already meeting, and they became a 30-somethings young professionals and we created a new group that was geared to 20-something young professionals and now that group has grown to such a point, thanks to a couple of really good leaders right there um, that uh, have blossomed and bloomed and they have a great the two groups are almost the same size now and so they've grown which reached more people but it allowed um, the opportunity for, to build up the church by allowing more space with these groups there. And then, of course, you know, as building up the body of Christ. I can't help but think of all the volunteers in the kids area and in the student ministry who when one of the kids in their area gets getting baptized, they're the ones that that are asked to baptize them. They don't want us pastors to do it. They want their small group leader to do it because of that relationship. They are building up the body of Christ. All right, so that was the first point from this scripture. But then notice the second point, it says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That's what Ryan was talking about last week, the process of discipleship is to lead to maturity in our faith. And so when we are serving, it's a great catalyst for spiritual growth to take place. So, a couple of more examples, and I hope you 're not getting tired of these, but I love to tell stories. So, we offer a class called Place uh, about two or three times a year, and Place is designed for those who just really aren't sure about where they can serve or what they want to do or they don't know all the different roles around the church. So, we had this one particular lady in one of our groups who was a new Christian. She was an adult, but she was new to the faith had only been a Christian a year or so, and she just, she didn't know church, she didn't know Christianity very well. I mean, aside from being saved, and she was ready to take the next step. And so she attended the place class, had a great experience, and so when it came time to say, well, what do you think you might want to serve? She said, well, the best I can think of is I want to work in the preschool ministry, because even though I know I don't know much about the Bible, at least I ought to know more than a two-year-old. So... Let's hope. <laughs> so, so we connected her up with Kim Michael in the preschool ministry, and she was set up as an assistant to the leader. So she didn't have to teach, but she was just going to be ready to help out. So that particular, that first week, the story was the the lesson was on Jonah and the whale. Now, of course, she knew vaguely the story of Jonah and the whale, but didn't know much about it beyond that. So she actually went home and, uh, knowing that was going to be the lesson, she read. The whole book of Jonah, which is not very long, but she read the full story about Jonah. And if you haven't read that book in a while, it is a phenomenal story. And it's a lot more than just Jonah getting swallowed up by a whale, okay? So you need to go back and read that. Maybe that for your afternoon, before you take your afternoon nap. And so, uh, but anyway, and so she came back. Uh, ready to help with that lesson. She got to take, get involved with the kids, loved on the kids, had a great experience. I happened to see her as she came out, and she said, I said, how did it go? And she said, oh, it was just so awesome. Um, I don't know if those kids learned anything, but I learned a lot. And it's because she had, it had prompted her to study her Bible and to grow in her faith. And then final." Final example, final illustration, was um, a number of years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, we had a medical mission team go to Malawi in Africa for a mission trip. So there was a good number of doctors, some pharmacists, and then other lay people who attended to help do the logistical work and to be part of the prayer team. So while they were on this mission trip, um... Uh, people I was told that people were walking for miles and miles for hours and hours to get to where the clinic was because there's so little help there uh, medical attention for medical attention so as this one lady was coming up she was carrying a three or four month old baby and as she got up to our prayer team that was um Uh, welcoming people, kind of getting them in the right place and getting them in order. She began you know, trying to figure out what the issue is and so she unwrapped the blanket and when she got the blanket unfolded it revealed that this three month old baby had a deformed leg and the way they described it was it was kind of L-shaped like it was coming out the wrong way uh, of how it should have been. And so they wrapped her back up and Called you know one of the doctors over and the doctor um, said well you know if we were in America we could we could probably do something but here you know we have such limited resources um, there's nothing we can do but we can all pray can't we and so they took it back to the doctors and the doctors prayed to go to the pharmacy team and they prayed for her, and then the prayer team got hold of her and just kept praying and praying and praying. For. And then, as I understand, uh, one of the other doctors, who was tied up earlier when they were talking, uh, came up and said, well, so what's going on, I hear something going on over here. And I said, yeah, they were telling the story about the little girl, and uh, but they had been an hour of prayer had been going on for this little girl. And so he said, well let me see, let me see, uh, see what the situation is. And so they unwrapped the blanket from the, the little girl, and when they got the blanket opened up they saw that the girl had been healed her leg was straight as it should have been that was a miracle taking place right in front of their very eyes as a result of prayer and so the man that was telling me the story said I went there thinking I would change their life but they changed mine and in, in evaluation, and retrospect, he began to see how he had been limiting God by his lack of faith in his life. And this lesson taught him how he needed to grow his faith and trust in God more and not put a limit on what God can do or what God is allowed to do. Because with God, nothing is impossible, Right? So I went there to change their lives, and they changed mine. Well we're going to give you an action step today. We can't talk about all this stuff and not give you a chance to respond. So hopefully you received one of these cards with the bulletin when you came in. And on the back side, we listed uh, a number of opportunities there. However, um, on the adult side, I forgot to put Celebrate Recovery on there. So everybody write in, Celebrate Recovery. And, uh, and but seriously, is it on there? Is it? Oh, okay, good. I got an old one then, I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, see, it's another miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> From the first service to the second. <laughs> so here's what we'd like for you to do, is take a moment and pray, maybe during this last song, And if you're not already serving somewhere in the church or in some form of ministry, we encourage you to take that step of faith because God wants to grow your faith. And once again, you may be like that lady who doesn't know much, but she knew more than a two-year-old and she tried that. Or maybe you just need something simple like a greeting at the door or the parking lot. doesn't matter. The idea is, though, that we get out there and put ourselves out there so that God can work in our life because he wants to grow your faith he wants to show you what it means to be a servant because that's what Jesus showed us and then if God leads you to check a box we'll have one of the ministry leaders contact you as soon as possible you can leave the card with the usher on your way out or stick it in the black boxes or take it home if you need to pray about it some more and bring it back next week or just call us and we'll take care of you all right. We love you guys and we just we want what's best for you in God's eyes, okay?